This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Don't get me wrong, if you're like an amazing painter and you love painting the same model 42 times um, in exquisite detail, do that. But <laughs> that's not me. For the rest of us uh, plebeians, you know, we'll be content with, uh, you know, Bone White over here. <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello, and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm joined with Mike and David. How are you guys doing? So what do you mean by joined with? Because that's kind of weird. D- did I say joined with or joined by? We're a three-headed joined ogre. Yeah. <laughs> three-headed ogre, there you go. From that Monty Python uh, movie. Yeah. Well, that was a three-headed knight, not an ogre. No, well, yeah, it was a three-headed knight, but he was pretty—he was a pretty big boy. Yeah, he was a badass. He like jousted, he threw a lance through like four dudes at once. Yeah, that's why I think he's an ogre because he's like super <laughs> strong. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, we'll be separated at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> please, please help. <laughs> <laughs> wow, did not anticipate Monty Python coming up on this episode. Um, <laughs> Anyway, where did you? Hopefully, you're not getting too stir crazy. Um, I have been painting uh, marginally successfully my my droids. So, um, what, about, what about you guys? Black primer. Still, still on that black primer. I, well, I'm out. I'm out of it. I don't oh, have any more. The stores are out. It's like forty dollars on Amazon. I don't know what to do. Have you tried Miniature Market? I have not, but you know, I don't know. So I uh, I ran out of um, uh, whatever the brown wash is called, uh, Agarax Earthshade, which those bottles are freaking enormous. The fact that I ran out should be telling. Um, but uh, and then I also ran out of the basing stuff, whose name is also escaping me. But I found it on Mission Market, and they're still delivering right now for normal price. So um, yeah, this is. Um, they're not like paying me to say <laughs> that or anything, <laughs> but um, you can still buy paint there, uh, and I did. So I'm I'm about to find out, so I'll let you know in just a second. Okay, yeah. Um, anyway, I have um, I have black uh, airbrush primer, so um, if you're really desperate, drive down to my place and I'll prime for you. It'd probably be better than the spray can, frankly. It would definitely look better. Yeah, I mean, it's just a primer. It doesn't need to look good. Yeah. Well, rattle canning, rattle canning is like, you know, applying a, I don't know, just kind of an oversized hammer to a, a solution. It's just it's just too much, too fast, in my, in my opinion. I think the airbrush is so much more controllable, right? That's probably why you get the better look, because you can manage a thinner layer. And then less primer, of course, means more details. I don't know. I find the Citadel stuff, the Citadel spray cans are actually pretty light. Yeah, yeah I like them. They're pretty good. The best, the best part for me about priming with an airbrush is that it's like weather neutral. Mm. Um, like if you sp- if you do a spray can in the wrong kind of weather, you can get like it can be like dusty or it can get like bubbly. It's yeah, you got to like check the weather before you prime minis with a spray can. Citadel yeah. spray paint, chaos black, out of stock. Rim. All right. Well, that's a bummer. R.I.P. As is all of their other citadel spray paints. Well, it was worth a shot. 
It was worth <laughs> a shot. Thanks. Everyone's everyone's at home painting right now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, in the last couple of days, I've actually been uh, so I can't do any of my spraying inside because I don't really have this places for that. So I do it outside. It's been nice out. So it's been super nice out. Yeah. Um. All right, let's take a minute. Let's let's hit uh, let's hit some plugs real quick before we get to the news. Um, Invader League is starting in May. Um, signups start this Sunday, on the twelfth of April. Um, you better believe that's going to fill up fast. Well, it's the only Legion any of us are getting. So, yep, <laughs> this is this is the way to play Legion right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and even last season when there was um, not a bunch of people sitting at home unable to play real Legion, uh it hit um what like 150 144 was, or whatever the limit was in just a, couple, a few days so yeah it was fast so yeah get on that computer on sunday and sign up do we do we know what the um upper limit is for how many they're accepting this this time around don't actually know i did they say I think it's possible that um, there might not be one. Like, I'm sure there's an initial one, but if they hit, you know, if somehow they hit like 256 or something like that, um, in theory, the only size limitation is like server bandwidth, right? Um, uh, I mean, we're not really hosting it on a. I, I don't think I don't think that's an issue. Right. Uh, I guess my point is there's no like practical size limitation because we don't have to scrum up real tables um, or fill up real space. Logistically, yeah, just managing that many people is, is a lot. Right, because you need judges for each group and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, the limitations are yeah the limitations are management oriented, not you know physical space and tables what they did last season was they would take players who they knew were qualified and they would have them judge like five groups they weren't in and they would like you know if they know people are qualified enough to judge they can still judge as long as they're just not judging their own group of course which is you know has a ton of obvious problems but um that's kind of how they did it last year i imagine they'll probably do the same thing but again like you say you know it it might not just be five groups might be like 10 groups because yeah. the, we have no idea what the upper limit of the registrants is going to be because things are so wild right now, uh, given, you know, real world events. Yeah, yeah, so, we'll see. yeah I mean, yeah, there's been a big influx on the Discord and stuff, so. Yeah, we've had a ton of Discord uh, joinees. Um, Zach put out a post just with the poster as well as which units would be legal. Um, basically, it seems like everything we have like reasonably full spoilers for so Staps, the clone ATRT, um, Padme and Cad Bane with uh, uh, a limited command card suite for each of them. Um, and then also in the mod are BX droids and ARCs. Um, so uh, notably not in the mod and apparently not going to be in the mod by Round Robin um, is Vital Assets. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, apparently it's very different to add um, battle cards and deployment zones and stuff like that to the mod than it is to add like new units. So um, I'm hardly an expert on such things. I uh, couldn't even figure out how to subscribe to our own Fifth Trooper YouTube page. So, um, <laughs> but uh, the TLDR I got was that it's much more difficult to add stuff like that than it is new units. So, um, yeah, 
Anyway. Yeah, it seems to be like deeper into the construction of the actual TTS mod than most other things. Like just if you like whatever whatever machinery is behind, put the card in the slot and hit the button. They have to tinker with that to enable it for the rest for like to expand those options. So that that I think is definitely going to be a, a sight bit more difficult than adding new units. Yep. Anyway, so um, round robin will be will be free of vital assets will just be the standard cards so i guess that makes list building a little easier um if not less interesting um anyway so that's invader league uh the big news today uh, let's just jump into the news welcome to in the news um so uh we got new tourney regs today from ffg indeed we did there's basically three things in there I want to talk about. Um, the first we kind of talked about already, but we can hit it a little bit is um, uh, tiebreak has been changed to margin of victory instead of strength of schedule. Uh, the second is silhouettes, which Lucchetti actually came on our cast and talked about and sort of previewed um, a few episodes ago, a couple weeks ago, like a month ago, actually. And, um, uh, and then the third thing is the terrain guidance, which is in there. Um, let's talk briefly about strength of schedule and MOV first. So we talked extensively about this topic back in episode 70, uh, which is appropriately titled SOS, um, when there were rumors that something like this was going on. So if you want to hear our full opinions on that, please listen to that episode. Um, but yeah, margin of victory is... Uh, is now the tiebreak for if records are similar or not similar, the same. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the short version of our opinions, which I think we mostly share from the SOS versus MOV episode, is that um, MOV is just reverse strength of schedule, right? Strength of schedule rewards you for playing players um, that are... Uh, relatively even matched it rewards you for even matchups um and then uh mov rewards you for lopsided matchups so um mov has the additional detriment of actually affecting how you play the game on the table uh you know it uh incentivizes crushing um like if you're winning a game um you know you have any incentive to basically step on your opponent's throat and win more which um I mean, I guess if it's, a, I don't know, it's not a great environment for where this is mostly likely to come into play, which is like local store tournaments. Um, I think it's unlikely to matter for the most part at like convention tournaments because most of those have enough rounds um, where undefeated players are not getting cut by tie breaks. But um, definitely like for your, you know, three round and a cut prime tournaments, uh, this is going to be an issue, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to let you guys talk about it because I have nothing but bad things to say. So, <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm filled with fury. Okay. Maybe, um, so, so maybe we can start like sort of breaking the breaking this out or like unpacking it, I guess. So, uh, the way that MOV works in Legion is now going to be. Uh, it's sort of the ratio of victory points that you've scored out of the total number of victory points available. 
So the example they give is a game where, you know, Ingrid, that's player A, I'll, I'll guess, is, you know, three points and her opponent, player B, has two. And so there's five total points. And so Ingrid scored three of those points. So she would end up with 60% of the total victory points in the game. So her margin of victory is is 60%. Um, so what is that? You know, what's the fallout of that? It means that, like, say, um, an objective that you end tied, your MOV is kind of stuck at 50 or 50% because you've scored half of the available points. Um it also means that games you you win one to zero, you walk away with all of the MOV. So, for example, breakthrough where you get one unit through and your opponent doesn't get anything through. Now you have a hundred MOV in a situation like that. Um, this gives weight to uh, ways to score additional points outside of the objective. So, for example, secret mission, which has kind of been a hot topic of discussion because it opens the door to uh, new win conditions and now we'll also open the door to stronger mov um, and so it just makes secret mission even more valuable than it already was um, bounty similarly but not as um it, it's not as willful i guess um because bounty your opponent can just work to deny you that and i guess that you can do it against r2 secret mission stuff but at the same time um, you, you know, I think there's ways to deploy R2-D2 where he gets really hard to stop. And if you really do want to stop him because he can repair himself, he kind of takes on this like juggernaut role of like, oh my gosh, I can't actually beat out this unit in time because it's got four health, has inconspicuous and can repair itself twice. So it gets a little bit nuts trying to stop secret mission. Uh, um, there's more. I just need a little bit of time to organize my thoughts. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I think that's I mean, a good, a good I, start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you hit all, most of the keynotes. You know, it it emphasizes, you know, objectives like key positions and hostage exchange simply because there's less victory points and you're going to get a bigger margin of victory if you win you know, um, like one victory point on intercept the transmissions is worth a lot less than one victory point on key positions. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it shapes battle decks. It shapes the aggressiveness of the lists you need to bring. You know, you're either cutting sabotage now or you're bringing a list that's aggressive on sabotage now, which is very different than, you know, what, what we had before. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. This fundamentally changes the game in a lot of ways. Right, and and like you're saying, now you have to wait a battle card inclusion via, you know, what is it going to do to my MOV? Right. And I mean, you do that in other game in, in Armada, for example, is like my primary example of this because it's the most analogous, I think, thing we have in FFG's style of, of, of games. Uh, one, because it's an alternating activation game. Two, because MOV is considered... Um, when these score games in that, when you score uh, tournaments in that game. Um, shoot, I was going to say something else. Yeah, so you have the crushing victory thing, but you've also got the whole idea that if you go undefeated, none of this matters. Right, well, and so... <laughs> or and almost so none of it. <laughs> it's not actually true, because um, 
at like local primes, you have, you know, the actual tournament structure has not changed. This does not change the fact that it's possible for undefeated players to get cut. Well, I think what you meant there, David, was if the tournament goes the proper number of rounds right. and you're undefeated, this does not matter, right? Right. And, and the issue there is that the big major tournaments that um, matter a lot, this probably has little to no functional repercussions in. But what it does is it, it, it incentivizes you to go beat the crap out of your local store bros as hard as possible in order to get your prime championship invite. Yeah, you're scrabbling um, now for those those coveted top two spots and going to 3-0 and is not enough if your MOV isn't high enough. Right, and so to ensure that your MOV is high enough, you're encouraged to pulverize people at local store tournaments. And, yeah, and hope that you get the against the new guy in the first round. Right, you know, and I, I think... Uh, yeah. It's, it's awkward. It's, you know... <laughs> You're gonna join the uh, the seal the seal cub clubbing club as uh, I know some folks have deemed it, where you're trying to find the the weakest player at the tournament and beat them as hard as possible. Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to like it, it. This feels super X-wing to me. Um, like I I don't know. Like like it, it feels like like X-wing is very technical it's very you know you show up and you know that there are people there that are way better than you and that you're gonna get crushed and that like and this feels like it's just in it's like pushing us towards that and and i think that that's something that has been really good about our community to like up until this point and that like we kind of foster not that x-wing doesn't but like x-wing has a very elite top you know set of players and i i feel like it's tough to break into that and um i don't know do you think that's already true of legion and it's just not as um overly talked about well i mean i think there's a big difference in losing to you know luke cook and the score being five to four and maybe maybe you really weren't in the game, right? But you at least still feel like you're in the game at that point, you know? Whereas, like, if you're losing 9-0, to zero, that's not fun for anybody, you yeah. know? And, and I just... Um, I mean, it's it's not for the fun. It's not fun for the player that's doing it. It's not fun for the player that's on the receiving end of it. I just, like, those games are not interesting, and yeah, maybe the game is just as close as it would have been, but at least like you come out of it, like you, if you're like a newer player and you're like, oh man, I'm playing Luke Cook. I, you know, he beat me five to four. At least that's a story, you know, whereas like, you know, a nine zero game is just like, you don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, you know, we'll see. Also, sorry, go on. Sorry. Well, we'll we'll see how this works out. Um, maybe if this uh, turns out to be sufficiently awful, then we'll go back to SOS and people won't complain about it anymore. <laughs> two two uh, other small and maybe not so small points. Um, if a, the bullet about a player wishing to concede and then the players agreeing to either score the game as it lies on the table or 
score it as 100 to 0 why would you ever score it as it lies you you never would you never one would. one player one player will never opt for that decision yeah there is it's no never going to happen yeah. So, yeah, so you're either going to have people conceding 100% because it's a feel-bad, or they're being forced to play out a game that they would concede normally. Right, because yeah. they're battling for as much MOV as they can retain. Yeah. And it's actually worth noting that we, we already have a major tournament that has been using MOV, or some form of it, um, and that's Invader League. And um, in Round Robin, it's relevant you know, what your MOV is because the top two players advance and you can have ties on records. And like, I've definitely had situations where it's really awkward in Invader League where, um, you know, the opponent's like, I'd like to concede. And I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. We can score it as it lies. Like, I'd really like the chance to table you. Um, but uh, I don't want to make you play a game you don't want to play. But I know there's also situations that happen where like you described, you know, one player is like, I'm going to lose. You know, I don't want to play the remaining three turns of this game out. And the other player is like, I'm sorry, I, I can't accept your concession because I could score more points if, you know, we played three more turns of me murdering you. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, there was, uh, I think it was like season one or season two. I actually got into it with LJ for like 30 minutes because the situation came up where like I should have scored more than I did because a player conceded and then I didn't make the cut because my MOV wasn't high enough. And I was like, this is, this isn't working for me. This like, isn't fair. Uh, you know, and it was early on in invader and you know, whatever, but like, that's not a feel good for anybody. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, a, it's, it just, it makes concessions instantly awkward. Yeah, like a concession you know. should be a situation where one player is like, you know, all right, I'm not going to win this. You know, let's use the time we have left in this, in this round to maybe we can talk about, uh, you know, what we each could have done better. And you have like a you know a nice handshake um, like growth moment out of it, whereas now it's like just super awkward um, instantly whenever one player wants to concede. Right, so. it can result in some bitter squabbling depending on the points landscape. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway. the other point that I found interesting was that if a player doesn't show, leaves the game early without properly conceding, that's interesting. Or is given a game loss by a leader, that player's MOV is zero. So now you have an you now you have an incentive to call your opponent out for cheating, even if they're not, because now I can try to uh, invoke that my player was doing something, you know, and my opponent was doing something untoward. And if I can convince a, a leader that this is game loss worthy, I get a hundred MOV. <laughs> um, so there's some there's some opportunity for corruption there. I mean, uh, some do, small, but you know, I, I trust yeah. that our leadership is wise enough to catch on to this, but that may not be the case in every tournament. Don't be a shithead is all I have to say about it. Yeah, that. please don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we mean that. We mean that sincerely. Don't, don't be a, yeah. <laughs> and that applies to everything surrounding this change, I think, because this creates more opportunities to do that. And I think we have to just as a community collectively try not to abuse those opportunities if that makes sense mm -hmm. i'm i'm sort of in the bucket let people abuse it as much as they want until people complain and have it go back to the way it was <laughs> well, that's another view, <laughs> it's, it's frankly it's frankly how i feel about it <laughs> <sighs> if a player receives a buy for the round they gain an mov for that game equal to the average mov of all their other games for the tournament 
So does that mean if I get a buy and get two crushing victories, I now have a third crushing victory? Yeah, that is exactly what that means. Wow. Wow, that's a really good incentive for getting a buy. Assuming you can crush your other games, yeah. Well, it's, that I actually, I don't mind that one specifically. Uh, I actually think that it probably should just be a 100-0 MOV. Um, that's what it is in, like, basically every other game. Is I mean, so normally, like, for, like in, in most other competitive games, if you get a buy your SOS or your MOV for that is considered whatever like 1.0 is, right? Um, it probably should just be that. I don't know why we're getting into like algebra, but whatever. Um, well, and it's, I guess it's, it's important to note that there is a significant gap between, you know, a hundred to zero MOV and, what even a strong victory you're likely to score on certain objectives, which is like a 0.66, right? Like you look oh, at yeah. key positions, for example, if you get the center KP and nobody has secret mission, um, you know, that's 0.6 to 6 to 0.33. And that could be like a crushing victory, right? Um, yep. But, uh, you know, that's still like a third less MOV than you can get from 100 to 0 from a concession or you know your opponent getting an automatic game loss or something like that or you Um, just like sliding something in on breakthrough or you know it's just like right i don't know i mean like i understand what they're trying to do but it still seems arbitrary it yeah right it's just differently arbitrary yeah it's like if you're gonna make it arbitrary at least make it neutral i don't know for more you can tune into episode 70 yeah, please refer to episode <laughs> 70. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, let's talk about silhouettes, because I think this is this is my favorite part of this these tourney reg changes. Yeah, I think this is the most positive thing to come out of this change is the silhouette rules. The most positive. I like how you phrase that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're good. I, I This is great. I can now play my Celebration Vader and not feel bad about it, right? Yeah, I can so, play Commander Luke at no disadvantage. Yeah, right. Yeah. So let's talk about what what this is for people that don't know what silhouettes are. Um, Luke himself talked about this a, uh, a bit ago on one of our episodes when we interviewed him. Um, so tune into that if you want to hear his thoughts. But basically, it's like you put like a there's like a predefined dimension for um, a silhouette, and they're basically saying you can cut out paper and use it. Um, there will undoubtedly be uh, other ways to do this, but there's like a predefined rectangle size. And you put said rectangle behind a trooper mini if there's doubt as to whether or not you can see that mini when you're attacking them. And then uh, if you can see the silhouette, um, then, you know, then you can see. Uh, and if not, then you can't see. So um, basically this, cre- this, this removes disincentives for like modeling creatively like if you want to sorry like if you want to put an arc trooper on those awesome flight stands um go ahead you know there's you're not going to make him more visible by doing that yeah i mean it's notable that this um this actually dramatically changes characters like boba fett um that now are going to draw line of sight 
much lower than they would normally. Um, yeah, because it goes both ways, right? Um, yeah. There's also like a little, uh, if you look at the diagram and the tourney regs, which I would um, encourage people to do, there's like a little line that you use to draw a line of sight from the mini also. Um, so anything on a flight stand like doesn't get bonus height to see over stuff to shoot things. Um, so it's, a. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a nerf because like Boba Fett is also much shorter and you can hide them behind things now um, that you maybe couldn't before. So um, that's sort of neat. But. Right. Well, the, the trade-off obviously is what we've been talking about, which is the fact that now things, you, you know, things that exceed the size of the template, the new silhouette template are not going to be eligible for shooting. Right. So that's a good thing. Right. Like Lutz lightsaber is the classic example. Right. And in, in the, in the diagram, they show just how far that saber extends over the top of the silhouette. And likewise, like an arc trooper on a flight stand, like the majority of the, uh, the model would probably be above the top of that silhouette, but yep. only the silhouette is targetable, which is, you know, that's the trade-off and it's a good one. I think, again, the whole idea was to attempt to divorce, um, the sculpt from the mechanics of measuring line of sight. And I think yeah. they've done a good job. I think that's been accomplished here. I agree. It also makes some like really awkward interactions with kneeling models way better because all of a sudden like your DLT and rebel trooper squads like draws line of sight from if, as if it was standing, you know? Right. Um, yep. So Kyle, you can stop complaining about that. <laughs> but now it's going to, now the reverse is going to happen where it's like, Hey, there's a kneeling trooper there. Can you put that silhouette behind it? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, and I think the the biggest thing that we that is probably going to be impacted by that are sniper teams. Um, since the lead model is always on a knee, you know, sniper teams are drawing line of sight from a higher angle and are also going to be able to be easier to see. Right. Um, now, technically, all snipers are standing at the same height, which is useful, but also, like you say, um, you have a little bit, you have a little bit more height, but a little less ability to hide. And that's generally the truth for short models. And then the reverse no. is true for large models, right? You have, you're more able to hide. And it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this affects gameplay. And so far as like for most models, this sort of increases the footprint uh, that yes. they take up on the table. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see like, for instance, uh, like do Wookiees are a lot taller than normal creature normal unit troopers. Like, are Wookiees actually going to be taller than the silhouette? Yeah, probably. I think so. I mean, the unit leader definitely is the dude that's holding the sword like three yeah. feet up in the air. I mean, like you shouldn't be able to shoot the sword, but you definitely should be able to shoot his head. Like, it'll be interesting to see how big the silhouette is when we're looking at models like that, because all unit all trooper units have not been created equal up until this point right and and that's going to be the the silhouette's going to be the great leveler well, right? I, mean, I guess my fundamental question is should a unit of wookies gain that bonus <laughs> right again we don't, we don't actually know what the fallout's going to be until we get it on the table I know, I know. I'm just, I'm asking the hard-hitting questions. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it's not like we're talking about, like, 
It's not like Wookiees were tearing up. frustrating competitive Wookiee meta that's going on right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like Wookiees were tearing up the meta or anything like that. No, I know. And I don't think this changes it. I just, I'm curious, like, if, if large models, like, does is Chewbacca all of a sudden shorter? Does he draw a line of sight from his chest? Like, that's kind of weird. It may like, be, it may be the case, but now you can put Chewbacca on a, on a pile of, of crap and make him, like, really tall and it doesn't hurt him any because that is not part of the silhouette. It's because our brains have been trained to fire at models and now we have to train them to fire at silhouettes. Sure. So here's the next question. Um, does, for instance, Wookiees have unhindered, right? Is it unhindered? Yeah. It allows them to go over difficult terrain or Yeah, they have unhindered. Um, That's correct. So do you draw the height for unhindered from the silhouette or the top of the model? Right. Now that's that's another big thing. And I almost wanted to to talk about this on the cast, but now that you brought it up, I have a great opportunity here. Movement is still determined. Your ability to move over things is still determined by the height of your miniature. So now is it going to be determined by the height of the silhouette? Is now right, like is there now a standard? Right. Like are all models technically the same height? And like you know, um, I'm not, it gets a little man. funny, doesn't it? Right, because now it, you have like Bosk and Wookies who are tall; they're able to quite literally vault over terrain that almost every other like human-sized miniature wouldn't be able to do. They'd have to climb it because it's taller than they are. I mean, rules as written, I think the height of the miniature technically stays the same, and I think that they would be able to unhindered over terrain like that as normal however i think that this silhouette thing implies that they should not be able to do that assuming it changes the perceived height of the model right so i just grabbed one of my wookies um how how tall would you guess uh, a wookie is from foot sorry from bottom of the base to top of head if the silhouette, I'll, I'll tell you, the silhouette template is 42 millimeters tall. I'm going to guess 46. I'm going to go with 60. Uh, it is 50. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so the average of our guesses practically. So is, that, is that the average Wookiee? Uh, well, or I didn't take... No, no, that's, that's not the unit leader. That's like the normal dude. Um, who's holding two swords, nothing above his head. That is just bottom of base to top of head. Okay, so the silhouette is smaller than a Wookiee. Yeah, the silhouette comes up to like Wookiee, uh, like tricep, basically. Okay. Wow. So what what we're basically saying is that if you've got a unit of Wookiees, they're in like SWAT team mode the whole time. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, crunched over, you know, I don't know. Yeah, man, Um, Wookiees are smart. They know not to get shot. (laughs) I don't know. Tell that to every Rebel player that have played Wookiees ever. Yeah, I know. We've, we've been constantly shouting at the leader, put your damn sword down <laughs> the entire time we've played Wookiees. Yeah. And I think I he mean, finally learned. I think this is a good first step, kind of getting back to the discussion at hand. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it's very likely that there should be silhouettes for various unit types as we move forward um you know wookies wookies should undoubtedly have their own profile i mean b1s are probably shorter than the silhouette right no so um (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that the the b1 unit leader who's the most relevant one right um 
the one that's like standing up like a prairie dog, uh, the antenna is uh, 47 millimeters. So from bottom of base to top of antenna is 47 millimeters. Sorry, 40, so he... 46 millimeters. Okay. So he's taller than the silhouette. Nice. Um, I mean, you probably shouldn't be able to shoot the antenna anyways. Right. Yeah, but it I does guess, mean you draw line of sight higher up the model. Yeah, I mean, it looks like your average B one to the top of the head is about is about 45, 40, 44 yeah. millimeters. So, even your average B one is taller than the silhouette. That's I mean, if we ever get Ewoks, they're pretty much like all of a sudden they're like enraged large, like somebody <laughs> cast cast in large on them, right? Because yeah, right. they're all gonna have. That are the size of Wookiees. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Weird. It's it's interesting. I think it's overall positive change. Um, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, are, totally. there are there are places where it's awkward, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, now I can make my kneeling rocket launcher B one and not feel bad about it. Yeah. Totally. I, there, there are a lot of positives, and I think it's a good first step. Yeah, we're just going to have to like retrain our brains to think silhouette, and that's going to be a process, like with any new thing, you know. But, uh, you know, I think it's great. I think this is, this is what the game needed, because now you can go hobby crazy and not even sweat the competitive implications. Yeah, I mean, like being able to have Grievous with like model doing his like weird lightsaber yeah. you know spinny thing it's like a thing you can do and you don't have to be concerned that it's gonna screw up your like you can use that model at a competitive level and not feel bad about it which yeah. is great yep um, yeah this is a this is a positive change for sure no need for no need for two grievous models no need for the crouching grievous and the big arm grievous yeah there's just there's just some questions that need to be answered i think yeah. yep yeah, the moving over terrain thing, I think, is the biggest one, probably. Yeah, and I mean, I think the answer is clear to me that, like, it's the way it always has been. The silhouette rules just affect line of sight, right? Yeah. Um, but it it has weird implications, is all. Yeah, so. the question is, should it be that way? Right, yeah, should it be? And, you know, I mean, maybe the answer is yes. I don't know. But we'll see. All right, so the last bit in there is they added um, guidance on terrain. They did. A step in the right direction. 100%. So I, I, like, I like the guidelines. I don't like the pictures of the <laughs> example tables. <laughs> we, were, we were discussing this a little bit before we went live, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so their their medium line of sight blocking pieces are probably actually small line of sight blocking pieces, and their large line of sight blocking pieces are probably actually medium line of sight blocking pieces. I don't really feel like they actually have like large pieces of line of sight blocking. Maybe with the exception, if you're looking at the image of the like the generator thing in the top left hand corner that that maybe could be considered large yeah um, i think that's approaching large that generator because I, I think we've seen that on we've seen these pieces on their streams right and we know that generator is actually quite large yeah i mean like that could block an atrt i think oh easy um, yep but but i think 
you know, the other buildings in there, it's sort of questionable. And and even that, if they're large, they're kind of on the smallish side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's the right number of terrain pieces. You know, I think it's the right density of things that are area terrain and line of sight blocking terrain. And I, I think I think all of that's right. I just think that the pieces of terrain that they're kind of showcasing as examples is not the best, which whatever. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, like they have the crashed escape pod on there as like a medium sized line of sight blocker. Um, yeah, I mean, that I thing that is small. like... That's like scattered terrain as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's, it's debatable whether you can even hide one model behind that thing. Yeah, I actually still have it. I have it here on my desk. Actually, I have the model, and it's. I don't think that's very. I don't think that's very medium at all. I think that's kind of small. And that's just my opinion, man. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, like I put something like that down, and like it's equivalent to like some crates. Yeah, it ain't medium if I can't hide a tauntaun behind it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, all right. <laughs> So, shorter version, guidance good, uh, pictures bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pictures, I don't. I, the pictures aren't bad. I I think I think the arrangement is not is not great, but you know whatever. We don't have to drill down this far. Yeah. The, the point is the point is you know we're moving closer and closer to, uh, uh, you know pre pre-established setups which is who has sort of been my my bugaboo i feel like competitive events you know much like how we have the silhouettes now i don't think it would harm competitive uh too much if you had some like guidance of like here's some ideas about how you could set up your tables so not like strictly speaking but like this is now we have guidelines we could also even go even further and say these are some setup guidelines if here's some good examples of how to do it and if you want to copy it great you don't have to copy it but um, this would be, you know, something that might be a repeatable thing. It wouldn't have to be, you know, uh, mandatory by any means, but it would be nice if you had some, like some small ability to say, like, if I go to an event, this is what I can expect. I think that would enhance that aspect of it. And that would help preparation. Yeah. Like what you shouldn't see anymore are those like totally wide open tables, where you look at that and you're like, there's literally nowhere to hide on this table. Yeah, for uh, real. And I've seen that, uh, you know, within the last couple of months even. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully there's less of that. Yeah, I mean, the ratio of, of those kinds of tables to the, you know, better set up ones is definitely getting better by a long shot. I think the last prime I went to, there might have been like two out of 15 tables that I could have complained about. But uh Otherwise, you know, I think it was, I think we were doing pretty good. The ratio is a lot better now. There's maybe like, you know, 10% of tables that are still kind of falling through the cracks though. But these guidelines will help reduce that even further. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm interested to hear what uh, Brad and Nima have to say about how they totally didn't set this table up on an axis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you want more on building competitive terrain, Brad and Nima talked for like an hour last week on our show about it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we I'm also looking have... at this, and I'm like, oh, Brad's got to be looking at it and like cringing. Yeah, yeah. Like, he actually said something. Today. He's like, he's like, I hate everything about this table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I think the guidance is good. The the text of the guidance is good. For sure. 
Um, all right. So that was that was tourney regs. You guys got anything else? Uh, I guess not. Not really. <laughs> you know, um, be a champion of SOS. That's all I have to say. Yep. Let it let it let let it guide you. <laughs> and honestly, as much as we complained about MOV, I think this is still you know I think there's still more positives than negatives. You shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the silhouettes the silhouettes is definitely not positive. That's my oh, point. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was saying, like, I, oh, the entire, I, didn't mean, I thought you were talking about like MOV. Yeah, there's more positive. Right. Things. I was like, what? Right, right. You're like, huh? <laughs> I know. It wasn't being clear. What I'm saying is the overall release has more positives than negatives. Okay. All right. Great. Glad we. Glad we agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, right now, nobody can play Legion tournaments in person, so. Um, <laughs> MOV not going to be a factor at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe this won't be a factor ever again. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So um, we had a tactics topic, uh, but we're going to actually push it to next week because we already talked for forty-five minutes about tournament regs. Um. So, uh, any final thoughts? No. Nope, I'm brain dead. <laughs> Do you uh, have any final thoughts, Kyle? I'm I'm really enjoying painting B1s, man. Um like bone white is like so easy to paint. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I I uh I fiddled with and actually painted all of my B1s in a different darker color scheme and then it looked awful and I'm like, why am I messing around? I'm just gonna paint these guys how they're supposed to look. So I just went with the boring, like beige bone white thing, and it instantly um, was super easy and looked uh, decent. So <laughs> for those that are waffling on your B one color schemes, just just paint them like beige bone white. Um, save yourself an aneurysm. That's my that's my final thought. There are a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, you gotta just remember, like, you gotta paint like fifty of those dudes. Cause, cause like you're definitely taking like six units of seven models most of the time. So yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Save yourself the heartache and the headache. Don't get me wrong. If you're like an amazing painter and you love painting the same model 42 times, um, in exquisite detail, do that. But <laughs> that's not me. The rest of us, uh, plebeians, you know, we'll be content with, uh, you know, bone white over here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that's my final thought. Um, all right. Well, anyway, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. And I'm David. Stay fresh, cheese bags. And yeah. MOV. Rest in peace, probably <laughs> fixed. Join us next week for another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. <laughs>